Welcome to the sermon podcast for Canton Church. We gather every week in Canton, Georgia to worship and grow together through God's Word. We exist because generations matter. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. Everybody doing good today? We doing all right? All right, you heard it just a second ago, but let me just kind of hit two things quickly. One, next Sunday you need to be here. They, they did a great job of explaining it. it. Listen, it is going to be unlike anything you've ever experienced here at Canton Church. Be here next Sunday. It's going to be great. Second thing is Guatemala trip in October. It's going to be awesome. You need to go, and there's no obligation for you to stay for the meeting today. Like, if you walk in, it's not like, hey, here's your passport and the airline tickets and get in the bus, and we're going straight to the airport. You're just getting information. So uh, come hang out with us for a couple of minutes, short, short meeting, just to get the information so that you can know. How many of you would admit that you watched the royal wedding yesterday? Anybody want to admit that? Nope. All right. How many of you would admit that you got up early to watch the royal wedding, like norm, or earlier than normal? A couple of people in the back. All right. So here's the deal. Um, I got to be honest. I did. I did watch a little bit of it with Corey. She was watching it. I just walked through the room. That's really what happened. Uh, but we're not talking about that today. Uh, but I, I did find it fascinating that uh, just with all the things that were going on around this royal wedding, like all the headlines are about the guy that was preaching the message in the royal wedding. That was unbelievable. If you haven't seen that, you need to just go YouTube that. Uh, he preached a great message there in the middle of this wedding about love and the power of love and uh, just a really, really powerful thing. In the fall of 2003, uh, this was just a couple of months before Corey and I had our royal wedding, um, uh, we, uh, we were engaged to be married and we were interviewing for a job at a church uh, here in Georgia, actually, uh, a youth pastor job. And I had a prior relationship with this church. And, and so I was like, you know, really excited about interviewing for the possibility to work at this church. They were looking for uh, a youth pastor. And I had previously kind of, you know, worked around their youth ministry a little bit. And so when I found out there was the opening, you know, somebody asked me to apply. And so I did. And so we, we took part in this interview process on the phone. And then they eventually invited us down. And so we drove, you know, from where we were at in Tennessee. And we drove down to do the interview. And we met with the pastor and some of the staff and some of the people of the church. And we just had a really good time and a really good interview. And so we got in our car and we drove back home. We kind of thought, you know, hey, maybe this is what's going to happen. Like this was a really good thing. And we kind of seemed to connect and we weren't really sure. And a couple of days later, the pastor called and he was like, hey, great interview. We really enjoyed getting to know you guys better, you know. And so honestly, like we, we think we're probably going to offer you the job. But we've got this one other candidate that we had already invited to come and interview with us this coming weekend. And, you know, unless something crazy happens, we're going to offer you the job on Monday. Uh, but we gotta, we really, we've already invited them, so we want them to come. So we'll interview them on the weekend, and then on Monday I'll call you, and it'll be fine. I was like, great. On Monday, evidently something crazy had happened because they offered the other guy the job, and they didn't offer me the job. And in that moment, I was like, oh, man, that stinks. Like, I, I, I was disappointed. I was really disappointed. Now, looking back on it now, I see just kind of how God helped to orchestrate the plans of my life because we ended up not going there. We actually ended up going to a church in Alabama. And then from there in Alabama, we had met a guy who eventually came and worked at a church here in Marietta, Georgia, that knew eventually a few years later they were looking for a youth pastor. And so we connected and we applied for that job and we got that job. And so we were at Mount Perrin North in Marietta. And then the pastor of Mount Perry North and I were at Waffle House at 5.30 on a random Tuesday morning in Peachtree City because evidently there's no Waffle Houses near our house. And so across the table at breakfast, he was like, I got a crazy idea. And that crazy idea eventually became Canton Church. And so we came here. And so looking back now, I wouldn't change any part of the story. 
But on that day in early fall 2003, I was really disappointed because I wanted to be picked. But on that day, they picked somebody else. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand like I did a second ago about the royal wedding because I think most of us in the room would raise our hand if I asked you the question something like this. Have you ever been, I don't know, picked over? Have they ever picked somebody other than you? Have you ever missed out on an opportunity you wanted? Did you ever stand there and you were option A and they said, hey, unless something crazy happens, it's you and something crazy happened and they picked somebody else and now you're left to wrestle with your disappointment? Well, I want to talk a little bit about that idea today. If you got a Bible, I'd love for you to go with me to the book of Acts. Acts is in the New Testament. It's right after the gospel. So you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And and Acts really kind of takes, and I've called it the hinge uh, between the gospels and the rest of the New Testament. Because the book of Acts, what it does is it takes the stories of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus and the disciples, those guys that followed closely with Jesus while he was on earth, and they take the gospel message. They take everything that Jesus had instructed them to do, and they went and helped to form that earth early church. And so then the the writings of the later part of the New Testament are a lot of the stories of the places that the church was being established that we actually read about in the book of Acts. And so if you're you're wondering, like, what is the book of Acts? Acts 1 is really those those final events of the life of Jesus on earth and then the immediate aftermath. Acts 2 is the day of Pentecost. And then Acts 3, really through Acts 15, is the formation of the early church and the expansion of the gospel. And then from Acts 16 to the end of the book of Acts, it's really the, the, the different early apostles that are going out and planting new churches. And then later we can read about those churches being interacted with through letters or other visits later in the New Testament. It's a really fascinating book. But I want to start in Acts chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, these scriptures today will be up on the screen. This is what it says in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. The apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. And when they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled, in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who was serving as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. Skip to verse 20. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Now stop right there for a second. We're going to read a few more verses in just a minute. But the quoted part there at the end of verse 20 that Peter says, here's what David said, and he referenced David just a few minutes before, is Psalm 69 and Psalm 109. And so Peter is referencing to the group of believers there in Psalm, from, from Psalm 69 and Psalm 109, what the prophecy was about the role that Judas played. Now, Judas, if you don't know the story, was one of the 12 disciples, and so he was walking around with a lot of the guys that you read just a second ago, Peter and James and John, and they're doing ministry and life with Jesus for those first few years that Jesus was doing ministry on earth. And then right at the end of his life, at the end of Jesus' life, Judas was the one that would betray him. 
And so we, we read at the end of Jesus' life that Judas eventually comes with those who are going to arrest Jesus, and he had already worked out a sign that the one that he kissed on the cheek was the guy that they should arrest, and he had already committed himself to do this for a few pieces of silver. And so now, at the end of all that, Jesus has resurrected, Jesus has ascended back to heaven, and earlier in the book of Acts chapter 1, there's that funny scene, at least it's funny to me, nobody else would think it's funny, where they're just kind of walking along and all of a sudden Jesus ascends back to heaven. And I can't prove it from scripture, but I kind of envision all of them just kind of standing there looking up in the air and they're like, what just happened? Where'd he go? And then these other people walk by and they're like, why do you keep looking from heaven? Go back to the place where you were. And so they're just left going, okay, well, what do we do now? And so that's where we picked up the story. We, we pick up the story where they go back to the place where they had been staying, and they're trying to figure out, like, what do I do with my life? And what do we do now? Like, Jesus did ministry with us, and he taught us these amazing things. So what do we do? Well, there used to be 12 of us, and now there's 11 of us. So Peter says, here's the deal. David actually prophesied about this and said that we must replace him. There must be another in the place of his leadership so let's replace Judas. That seems like a good thing to do. Keep reading in verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. From one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph, called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. And then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart, Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias, and so he was added to the 11 apostles. Now, they weren't just picking random Joes here. If you read what we just read together, here's what they said. We've got to select one new guy and we've got to select him from among the two that we just nominated, but we're only going to nominate people who have been with us the whole time. Now, I don't know, in, in my early reading of the Gospels, I just kind of thought there were 12 disciples, and that was it. But according to what we read right here, even when there's only 12 disciples that are named in any certain instance, evidently there were some other people who were always with them. Now, other places in the Gospels, we read that there were 72 sent out to do ministry. We read that there was 120 who were gathered there with Jesus. We see that there were the disciples and his followers. Evidently, there was a group of people that were right on the fringes of Jesus and the 12 disciples the entire time. It says that we're going to only pick somebody who was there from the time Jesus was baptized by John all the way until he ascended. Well, guess what? He just ascended. And the baptism of Jesus by John, depending on the gospel account, was in Mark chapter 1, early in the book of John. Like, this was the entire ministry of Jesus on the earth. And so we're not just picking these random people. We're saying, no, 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 this has to be, if they're going to have the right credibility to be able to step into this role, this has to be somebody that, like, they've, they've, they've got some, you know, some, some credibility with the early religious leaders here. They've got some people, some credibility with the people of this first century church because they got to know that these people saw and heard everything that we saw and heard because we're picking someone to be a witness with us to the resurrection. And so then they named two people. They named Joseph, also known as Barsabbas, and they named Matthias. Now, when I think about those two names, here's what I immediately recognize. I don't know those two names. 
From earlier parts in the story, I'm not really given any account for who these two people are. And let me just go ahead and set the end of the story for you. We never hear about Joseph or Barsabbas again after the end of what we just read. We never hear another word about him in the scriptures. And so they say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick from among the group of people that have been with us from John's baptism of Jesus all the way until he ascended. And I don't know how it went, but let's just assume it went like some of the business meetings you've been a part of. And so everybody's kind of looking around, and they're like, all right, who do I? I'm going to nominate Joseph, also known as Barsabbas, also known as Justice. I don't know if that's how it actually went. That's just what the writer of Acts said. But they just said, hey, I want to, I want to nominate Joseph. Joseph's a good guy. You know, Joseph's been with us. I remember that time we were walking down the road and Joseph told that joke. I can't remember it now, but it was really funny. And so I'm going to nominate Joseph. And so they're like, okay, I second that. And now Joseph's name's in the ring. Somebody else is looking around. They're like, I'd like to nominate Matthias. He seems like a good guy. He's been with us the whole time. And then evidently out of the other people that were in the room, those numbering up to 120 people, there was nobody else that got nominated, at least according to what Luke writes here in Acts chapter 1. We got two names. And then according to scripture, they took those two names and they prayed this very simple but powerful prayer. Lord, you know. And then they cast lots. Now, casting lots throughout scripture was something that could have looked like a lot of different things. It actually did look like a lot of different things. One of the closest examples in several places that you could find about casting lots was almost like rolling dice. You just kind of take some dice or you take something that they would have had in that day and time and they would have rolled it. And if it came up sixes, I'm the guy that wins, right? But one of the ways that historians believe that this vote took place was something like this. They had a bag of some kind, probably not like this because they didn't have Walmart like we have where I bought this. But they would take a bag and they would pick up two rocks and they would take those two rocks and they would write the name of each individual that was being considered. So on one rock, they would write the name Joseph. And they would drop it in. And on another rock, they would write the name Matthias. And they would drop it in. Lord, you know exactly who needs to be chosen to stand with us as a witness of the resurrection. They have the credibility. They've been with us since John, from John's baptism all the way until you ascended. God, we're believing that whatever name comes out of this bag is your will. And they reached into the bag. Matthias. It's pretty cool that I actually grabbed his name. That would have been really weird if I'd have grabbed the other name. <laughs> Matthias. Now, you go, okay, well, that's, that's kind of weird, like, to figure out God's will that way. But I bet Matthias was excited. I bet he was so excited. He's been on the outside of the 12 until his rock was picked. But think about Barsabbas. We don't really know anything about this man's story other than the fact that up to this point he had been super faithful. He had seemingly abandoned his family. He had left everything that he had, everything that he was, just to follow after Jesus. And yet up to this point we had never heard anything about him. Three years of ministry... The miracles, I mean, couldn't one of the gospel writers have said, you know, and the 12 disciples and Barsabbas, but they never did. And so I don't know, so I'm totally making this part up. This is not from scripture. Please don't write me an email. I can't prove this, but I just envision that they're in the room. And maybe like he had gotten accustomed to doing for the last three years, Barsabbas is just kind of standing in the back and he's just watching 
Oh, there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. It looks like she might need something to drink. And so he runs over and he grabs something. Here you go, Mary. And gives it to her. And he runs back and he stands over here because we don't know anything other than just he was faithful to serve and be there and listen to the teachings of Jesus. Like we don't know anything. And so he's just kind of hanging in the back. Maybe in other instances up to this point, Jesus would say something funny with the disciples and you could see somebody over in the corner kind of writing this down because eventually it would become the New Testament and he's snickering in the corner with one of the other guys, maybe Matthias. This is so great that we get to be here in this room and then one day, out of the blue, he wasn't expecting it, he didn't know this would be the day. He's standing in the room, there's 120 people there and all of a sudden, one of the guys... One of the guys he had looked up to, one of the guys that was so close to Jesus, they're kind of looking around the room. Peter just made this acknowledgement that they needed to replace Judas, and he's just standing in the corner, and all of a sudden, they just pointed at him. I nominate Joseph. Me? I, I mean, it's just an honor to be nominated, but I didn't, I mean, I didn't know today would be the day. Thank you. This is, this is so kind. And so he's standing there and he wishes maybe he could just kind of get out of the room for a couple of minutes and call his mom. You're never going to believe they're voting on me in just a few minutes. And this is going to be incredible. And just hanging out in the back. And then they prayed a prayer. And then they wrote his name on a rock. And then they pulled a rock out of the bag and it wasn't his. What a letdown. And we have no other place in scriptural history where we ever hear anything else about Barsabbas. God chose somebody else. Yeah, it was just a rock out of a bag, but if we believe in the sovereignty of God, when they prayed that prayer, they were praying, God, in this moment, let your will be acknowledged by the rock out of the bag. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying, okay? I'm not saying that because he wasn't chosen, God didn't love him, that God hadn't already chosen him through the ministry and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. In fact, if you go all the way to 1 Peter chapter 2, we read this. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Whether your name gets pulled out of the bag or not, you are a chosen people. God has already chosen all of us for eternity. But this is about God choosing people for a special purpose, for a special job in a moment, in a role that needs to be filled and so the question comes for all of us today, for everyone who desires to be used by God, how do you react when God chooses somebody else? Can you and I genuinely be happy for a friend who gets the promotion that we wanted? Can we be content to keep on playing the role we've always played while they get to play a new and bigger and better role? Can we be okay if our name is never called in the future? Can we keep serving Jesus with all the passion, gusto, enthusiasm that we did before the opportunity presented itself? Because here's what I believe. Every person who desires to be used by God has to go through a process just like this to check our motives. We don't see anything in Acts chapter 1 that said Barsabbas was seeking this. 
But I think every one of us that wants to be used by God for special purposes, we have to go through moments like this to check our heart. Because I'm not saying you can't feel let down. I have, I do. But I think if that letdown turns into an anger, turns into a blame game, turns into a... There's probably something deep inside of us that needs to be dealt with. And perhaps that's the reason we weren't chosen in the first place. Everybody that wants to be used by God for special purposes has to go through a process like this to check our motives. Again, I'm not talking about for eternity. You and I have received the mercy of God. I believe that. But if we're talking about being used by God in a very specific place where God is choosing people, choosing someone for a moment just like this, what does my heart reveal when God chooses somebody else? I think that there are two primary reasons why God chooses other people. Two primary reasons why God chooses other people. Number one, there's still work to be done in us. I have no idea anything about Barsabbas except what we've already read. And he could have been the most faithful, God-honoring, submitted person that you and I have ever met. And if he walked in right now, we'd be like, I have no idea why God didn't choose him. He's so humble and meek and mild. And maybe there's somebody in your life, or maybe you personally, and you don't know why you got overlooked. You don't know why somebody was picked and somebody else wasn't. And you can't figure it out. But perhaps if we were honest with ourselves, or if we knew everything that was going on on the inside, perhaps... God knew there's still work to be done in us. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21, it says this. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. In a large house, there are two kinds of instruments. There are gold and silver, and there are wood and things of clay. And perhaps for some specific roles, the need is for gold and silver. The plate, the jar, the cup, whatever's needed in that moment, perhaps it's gold and silver, and perhaps I haven't worked enough of the things out of my life and cleansed myself out enough and been made holy and pure enough as God is continuing to purify me of the things that do not represent him and reflect his nature and reflect his character so I can't be used for special purposes yet because I'm not ready. There's still some dirty uncleanliness in me. And we don't like to think about that, and we don't like to acknowledge that because we want to think that we're as good as anybody else, and as it stands for eternity, you and I are. But there is an, an aspect to this that God says, no, if I, if I need somebody for a special purpose in this moment, perhaps I need to go with someone else because there's still some cleansing that needs to happen in you or in me. There's still some cleansing that needs to happen in me. This week I was confronted with some news that kind of shook me to my core for a little while. Somebody that I respected and looked up to made a grave mistake. Mistake doesn't even seem to account for what was really happening, but with all the genuine authenticity, humility I could muster in this moment, here's what I promise you. After a few minutes, my reaction was, Corey and I were talking about it together. God, I pray 
that I never get so far away from you that I don't even realize the path of destruction that I'm heading down. Use this moment to remind me. Use moments like this to remind me. Cleanse me. Make me holy. Make me pure. Continue to purify me. Take the things out of me that don't reflect you so that you can use me for holy purposes. But God, if you never choose me, let me stay faithful. I think there's two primary reasons that God chooses somebody else sometimes. The first is that there's still work to be done in us. And secondly, God knows something we don't know. And I know that seems like a preacher thing to say, but I'm a preacher. I don't know what you want me to say, all right? (laughs) Sometimes God just knows some things we don't know. There's a story, my favorite story, probably not my favorite story, but at least in my favorite character story about King David. It's a story in 1 Samuel chapter 16 where Samuel comes to anoint the next king after the Lord has removed his favor from King Saul. And Samuel shows up to Jesse's house says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Look at this in verse, uh, later in verse. The Lord does not look on the things people look at, but people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So he sent for him, David, and had him brought in. And he was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. When Samuel was standing there in front of Eliab and then all of the other brothers in succession, each time he thought, this is the one that God has chosen. But there was something that God knew that Samuel didn't know and that you and I don't know. He said, no, 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 I need need David. I need the one that even the prophet of God didn't think he would pick. But I'm picking him. Because there's something that I know that you don't know. And David has a heart that beats for me. Sometimes God chooses other people because there's still work to be done in me. But sometimes God chooses other people because there's just something that God knows that I don't know. I mean, I told you back in the fall of 2003, I was disappointed. I wanted to be picked. But God knew something that I didn't know. God knew that I needed to go to Mobile, Alabama. And I needed to serve there and work there. And the job in Georgia that I wanted was probably too big for me at that point in time. With a little perspective as I look at it now, it was probably too big for me. I wasn't ready. And I'm not saying that it was a lesser job in Mobile, but it provided me a learning opportunity in the right setting, in the right culture, with the right pastor who just allowed me to make some mistakes and learn from those mistakes and help to grow me and Corey and our leadership and Spent several years there and, and, and loved the people, and they loved us. And We went from there to Marietta, and from Marietta to Canton. God knew some things I didn't know. And so looking back now, you would think that any time I don't get picked for something, or any time I get disappointed, or any time a decision goes against me, you would think I should be able to have that self-awareness to go. But yeah, every time that's happened, God's been working some things out, and God knows, and I don't know. But i got to be honest, there are still times when I'm like, God, that stinks. God, what are you doing? I wouldn't even pick that guy. But God, maybe, maybe there's something you need to do in me. But God, maybe there's something you know that I don't know. And it all comes down to trust. Do I trust God enough? 
do I only trust God and do I only love God when he picks me? Because that's easy to love God when he picks me. Pick me. God, I love you. Thank you for picking me. But can I love God and trust God and believe God and have faith in God when what I want and what God does are different things? I told you we don't know anything about the story of Barsabbas after this moment. But he's standing in the back of the room. His throat gets a little tight. His stomach gets a little queasy, gets a little sweaty palms, and he's not really sure, like, they're going to pick names out of a bag, and it's going to be me, and, oh, this is incredible. And I don't know. I kind of picture it like the end with the last two, you know, contestants in The Voice or American Idol or something. And, like, at the end, like, they pick Matthias, and he's got to, like, <laughs> great job. I'd have picked you too. I, but you know, you know he's disappointed. And because we don't hear any more about his story, there are two possible outcomes to the story of Barsabbas. If they brought Barsabbas and Matthias to the front just before they picked the names out of the bag and they went with the other guy, the first possible outcome to this story is that he graciously, humbly steps back to his original place and continues serving faithfully from the shadows. That's the outcome we hope, but we don't know. The second possible outcome is he stands next to Matthias as they draw a name out of the bag, is that he gets bitter and angry and he walks out of the house and he walks away from faith and he chooses to believe that if God doesn't do what makes me happy, then God isn't who he said he was. And he leaves. Now here's the question for all of us today as we close. If you're standing in that spot, you didn't, you didn't seek it, you can't believe they would even consider you but it's just down to you and another guy. And they draw a name out of a bag and it's not your name. Do you leave the house? Or do you step back and continue to serve faithfully? Doing what you were doing before? just thankful that God would allow you to be in the room. That God would allow you to stand in those moments. You go, God, I'm not even worthy that I, I should be considered. You start praying for Matthias, praying for the other 11, that God would use them in powerful ways to speak of the witness of the resurrection so that other people would come to find life in Jesus Christ. The way that you answer that question reveals a lot about your heart. It reveals a lot about my heart. And so as we walk out of this place today, this is not about actually God choosing somebody else. The question really is, is I'm, am I the kind of person that God could choose? Am I Eliab who looks good on the outside and could convince everybody that I'm the guy they want? Or am I David who kind of missed the start of the party because I was continuing to faithfully serve the will of the Father out with his sheep.
They've got to even call me in and bring me in to be considered. God, let me be open to you purifying and cleansing and working in me continually to make me the kind of person that you can use for greater purposes. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes today as we conclude. Just a moment there with you and God just to consider the things that are happening in your heart in response to something like this today. And if you would say to me today, Jeremy, you know what? As I sit here, I recognize that one of the, one of the issues that I have is that I'm not even in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if that's you today and you say, hey, you know what? I, maybe I prayed a prayer a really long time ago or I never have, but I know I'm not in a relationship with Jesus Christ and I need him to forgive my sins and lead and guide my life from this point forward. Would you just lift your hand right where you're at? Thank you so much. You can put it right back down. Anybody else? Now, if you would say, Jeremy, it's not a salvation issue for me, but you know what? As you talked, I just want to be the kind of person that God can choose. I want him to continue to cleanse me, purify me. I want to stay faithful and I want to be that kind of person. Would you lift your hand right where you're at? Tons of hands. Thank you so much. God, I thank you today for every person in this place. I thank you, God, that you have accounted for our eternity, for those of us who have responded to you. And God, I thank you for those today that have acknowledged their need for you to be the Lord and Savior of their life. Forgive their sins, lead and guide them from this point forward. God, we thank you for that. What a powerful moment that was for them. And we celebrate now with what took place. God, I pray now for every hand that was lifted to say, I want to be the kind of person that God could choose. God, continue to mold us and shape us and make us into who you need us to be. If there's anything in us that needs to be cleansed, God, do that now. Take those things out of us that don't reflect you. Continue to work in our hearts and our lives. But God, even when you just make decisions because you know things we don't know, God, help us to trust you. Help us to believe that you want the best for us, but you're writing a grander story, and so you know some things we don't know. So God, now we ask you to continue to do your work for the good of the world, for the good of your kingdom, so that more and more people can come to find life in Christ. And God, we trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening. If you would like more information about today's message or about our church, we invite you to visit us at cantonchurch.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash cantonchurchga.com. 